Welcome to the Maria Heller Show, on the net since 2000 and still going strong. If you feel like you're not getting the real news, if you feel like you're not connected spiritually, you have found your home. Maria covers a wide range of topics as only a snarky New Yorker can. Straight up, no chaser. No censorship, no corporate sponsors, thus true freedom of speech. Your subscription gives you unlimited access as a member of the smartest audience on earth. Relax and enjoy the education. Now here's Maria. Good morning world, Maria here, alive and kicking. Welcome to hell and high water, which is basically waking up every day in Trump's America. My co-host and uh, star of his own show, Chuck Ocelli. If you're not familiar with Chuck's work, get over to Ocelli.com. I have a live link right here for you. Good morning, Chuck. Oh, good morning, Mom. You know, before we get uh, into the the world that is pretty much, you know, I, I, I don't know, how, how does the world take uh, time to defecate in its own bed? Uh, just, you know, look around you. Uh, but anyway, before we cover the world, something uh, personal I wanted to go over with you real fast, but uh, didn't tell you about before we started recording here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still in the process of writing a book. And I am actually up to a point where I'm starting to write about you a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, the book is, uh, is my life story, and it is a fascinating role, whether you know it or not, or whether your listeners know it or not, that you uh, ha- have played in my life. And I'm trying to memorialize that, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like currently. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not toward the end of the book yet, but I am making progress. So I don't know if anybody's even going to read the thing, but but I believe it'll be uh, an instructive uh, uh, story for a lot of people. It's not an ego project because, quite frankly, the more I write about it, the more I realize I'm probably exposing a lot of stuff that eh, could change the view of individuals who uh, don't appreciate me and even people who do appreciate me because I think they have no idea where I actually came from. And uh, this this book is going to explain that and I I hope provide a a bit of inspiration for some people who maybe think that uh, they don't have options. They've been left out of the equation. Uh, You never have to surrender. But anyway, I don't want to spoil the book, but it is interesting trying to memorialize on a page, first of all, who you are. (laughs) You know, in general, like how do I explain you to somebody who maybe never heard of Maria Heller? But also uh, uh, to explain the the actual role, the relationship that you and I have, which has developed, uh, you know, all on its own without me attempting to steer it or or seeking to do anything. I mean, at one point you were somebody I admired and had heard. Uh, And then you have graduated into somebody who is uh, personally connected to me. And uh, I just want to make that point before we go any further that I'm struggling with how to explain Maria Heller to the, uh, you know, to, to the uh, theoretical reader. <laughs> uh, join, join the rest of the world. People have been trying to put a label on me or explain me, I think, since I was like five years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, to me, you know, when people ask me, you know, who are you? What are you? Uh, my answer is always the same. I just tell people I'm a teacher. Uh, but you know, when I was a kid, you know, of course, with West Side Story, everybody would sing that song Maria to me, which makes me sick to my stomach. But my sister, who was the closest to me, she chose the song Maria 
I think it was from The Sound of Music. I don't even remember. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Because she felt the words, <laughs> the words fit me better. She, you know, and if people look at the words of the song, uh, they would get it. You know, she's a darling. She's an angel. She's a girl. Uh, and, you know, and she's a demon. She's a willowy wisp. Um, but, I, you know, having such a common name, uh, always bothered me, you know. I mean, I was named for my grandmother, uh, but having, you know, in an Italian neighborhood, somebody screamed out, Maria, 20 girls turned around. Uh, <laughs> so. That's true. You know, M Maria, uh, Diane was uh, was another one, <laughs> right? All right, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, Maria okay. and Tony, you know, Maria and Frankie. I mean, it, it was just the way it went. Uh, but listen, there is no explanation for me. I can't explain myself. You know, I just know and I tell people I've lived my life in dog years, seven to one to the average person. There's very little I haven't experienced and I put it all together in my work. Uh, whether it's my work with the show, whether it's my work with my clients, my students, I just put everything I've ever experienced, which as David Icke says, the reason we're here is to experience. Well, I can tell you that I have experienced, as Jimi Hendrix would say, are you experienced? Hell yeah. Oh yeah, well, that's, you know, the, the lyrics of the song, are, are you, have you ever been experienced? Well, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's fascinating because in, in two different, uh, Two different worlds, really. You and I have have, uh, have this in common, where it's uh, a whole bunch of different world experiences that have come together to formulate the people that are talking to you right now, and uh, it's um, it's it's unconventional at best. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> well, my mother always said when they made me, they broke the mold, and then she always added, "Thank God" at the end of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> there's that you know my father predicted when I was a teenager somebody would kill me before I was 21 because of my mouth uh, and then eventually I became the mouth that roars living on borrowed time because I passed 21 a long time ago <laughs> no exactly but it, but anyway it's it is it is fun I am actually going to uh use part of this conversation to help me with my writing. Uh, well. Anyway, we, we, we should move on from this. I, I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was great, and uh, I wanted to see how you would react to the idea that I'm having trouble explaining you. And uh, uh, quite frankly, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Of course I am. Well, let's, let's, let's put it out to our listeners. If any of you want to help Chuck and uh, write an explanation of who whatever Maria is, uh, feel free to email it to me, and I'll flip it over to Chuck. How about that? No, sounds great. And and you know what? If I if I use it, uh, if somebody wants credit, let me know. Also, uh, I'll use it and credit you. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I like to just tell people, and this is my frighten some people, that I'm an intergalactic warrior trapped in the little body of an Italian American woman on a planet that's gone insane. And that's fair enough, I, <laughs> I gotta say. Well, and, and the planet is indeed insane, uh, Maria. We, we, are, we are in a time where, I know we keep saying this, but it's like, what, what are you in the land of people that are disconnected from reality when you can see it if you are the sane man in the asylum we call Earth? 
uh, or you're the insane or, or, or the sane, excuse me, woman in the insane asylum that we call Earth or whatever it is you want to identify yourself as. I got to tell you, it's it's an odd ride at this point. Um, yeah, but remember, we chose to be here now. Whether we people like the, to hear that or not, we chose to be here. There were other places we could have reincarnated, didn't need to reincarnate, didn't need to put an avatar into this sickening video game, which is the most violent video game ever called Planet Earth 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think about uh, Greg Palace is uh, one of the titles of his book, Armed Madhouse. Mm-hmm. And it fits, it fits the planet right now. But remember... We came in here for the war, okay? There is a battle going on. And it to, you know, to us when we are in spirit form, it's just a game. And it's like, okay, this looks like an interesting game. I'm going to go down and play and see who wins. Uh, and people have to take that. You know, if they, if they want to look at it another way, they can look at it as you're really just a visitor from the future, coming back to see and how many tv shows do you see like that and they fascinate all of us why do they fascinate us because it's a cellular memory uh it's interesting because somebody at my gym yesterday this young man started talking to me about how screwed up everything is and he says everything is like the worst uh science fiction movies they've ever put out and then he said to me predictive programming they don't call it programming by accident and I was stunned that he knew that. Mm. Well, you know, some things are getting into the uh, the mainstream of consciousness, not the mainstream media, but the mainstream of consciousness. And it's kind of fascinating. I, I, I'm, I'm actually pleased with some of the things that are uh, getting under people's skin, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's a weird time. Right, I mean, and it's not a time to give up. I mean, you know... I'm trying to think of, do you remember that movie, Michael, with John Travolta, where he plays the angel, but he's really not much of an angel? Do you remember that? And what does he constantly say? What excites him? He goes, battle, battle, okay? He just loves the battle. Uh, And people have to get, you know, even, I mean, look, even the timing of when Ruth Bader Ginsburg chose to leave. And remember, we all pick when we're coming in and when we're going out. Uh, The timing couldn't have been more perfect as far as I can see. Because what she's done is is sort of like what uh, Comey did 14 days before the election with Hillary. But what she's done is so close to the election, showing people how much we have to lose in case they forgot by the, you know, Trump 24-7 channel. Uh, So she's invigorated people. I mean, the first day she died, the Democrats raised over $100 million. Uh, So I think people are waking up. And listen, Americans, I said it on 9-11 when we were supposed to believe that bullshit story about, you know, let's roll on Flight 93. Or, you know, that little men with box cutters would take out psychotic Americans on an airplane who were all on drugs of some sort, who were ready to kill their neighbor at a moment's notice. And we were supposed to believe people just stood there and did nothing. Or then believe the crazy story that, oh, we had heroes on the plane that we actually blew up and blew over Shanksville. Uh, so, you know, when people look at life and they can actually elevate their consciousness from looking at this world from the crawling ant's perspective 
and transform into the hawk or the eagle and see it for what it really is, the overview, everything changes. No, this is all true, and uh, it, it is it is fascinating that everything seems to be right on time. If you want to uh, add tension, if you want to, uh, you know, create some sort of awareness that uh, uh, certain things may indeed matter. Absolutely, you know? it's like the last gasp. So you know, for me, I'll take a deep breath and say, "Battle, let's go." And I've been that person my whole life. You can add that to your list. Uh, there you go. I've always seen injustice. I've always seen what's wrong with the way humans live on this planet. I've seen that since I was four years old. Uh, and here I am, you know, uh, in my senior years, uh, seeing it even more clearly than I did then. Uh, so people need to stay out of fear and they need to empower themselves. They need to say, I'm not going to let this bullshit ruin my life and I am going to take a stand. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And Trump's fans have proven that. Well, you know, with that, I want to cover a couple of things. Okay. Because it is, it is necessary to take a snapshot of the strangeness that we are dealing with here. Uh, you know, RBG's departure and the fact that we have yet another seat open on the Supreme Court that's probably going to be filled by Trump. You know, it's, it, it's, it's frightening. I mean, Mitt Romney predictably has now said, you know, look, I'm going to vote with the GOP. I don't know why anybody is surprised over that. Right. Uh, this guy, uh, look, when it was impeachment time and everybody was sh oh so shocked that he gave a half-hearted, well, maybe we should have impeached him. Right. Uh, vote, you know, give me a break. <clears throat> First of all, <clears throat> excuse me for the coughing, but <clears throat> I am having trouble recovering still. Uh, from whatever it is that has been ailing me, still no coronavirus test for me, because I'm in Georgia, and uh, go find one if you don't have money. Anyways, uh, back to it. Well, you got to get with Mitt Romney and the rest of them. These people, and I have said this recently on my show, I'm almost sick of saying it. When I first started my show, this woman, I can't remember her name, and unfortunately, I don't have backups of my early years, um... But she had written a book on dominionism. This was 21 years ago. And that this, these people are aiming for a messianic government. They want a Christian, biblical-ruled government. Uh, and that was 21 years ago when I warned people. Of course, I'm sure people laughed at me and laughed at the interview. But they're not laughing anymore now, are they? Well, with the unitary executive in play, with the Justice Department, you know, taken over by an Opus Dei type guy, uh, with things behaving as they are, and still the complaints that, you know, there isn't a, a great cleansing, a great purge of all the people that refuse to go along with the agenda, I, I'm, I'm wondering if people don't understand that fascism doesn't begin with great leader. Uh, it actually starts at the bottom. And instead of brown shirts in Germany or black shirts in Italy, we now have red hats. Right. And these are the people that are literally trying to hand it over to those who will go in that direction. I mean, so people said that I was alarmist when I was talking fascism related to Trump a couple of years ago. And um, <clears throat> a lot of those people are apologizing right now. Well, and I go back to one of my earliest guests and my probably longest co-host, Dave McGowan. You know, one of Dave's early books was Understanding the F Word, Fascism in America. 
And when we talked about that again, I'll say that was probably 18 years ago. Uh, people thought that he was off, you know, off the off the off the charts. That there was something wrong with him. Uh, but I still recommend that book. I recommend all of Dave's book. And you know what? I, I, as sad as I am that he's gone, because I can't even imagine the laughs we would have on what has happened in the last four years. He also picked a good time to go. Yeah, you know, I, I, I look back at a few people that did some work, uh, you know, and then departed. Uh, Liam Sheff was a friend of mine, uh, you know, and, and he, through some very strange circumstances, wound up leaving very early as well. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people, uh, it, it becomes more and more right. obvious that right. you're absolutely correct. That people choose when it's time to go. Absolutely. They not only choose when, they choose how. I know that's hard for people to understand, but everybody wants to experience. And whatever you didn't experience in one life, you want to try and experience in the next. Or maybe to take with you as information to planets where there's actually intelligent life that will listen. Uh, But when I look at, you know, listen, people want to talk about the Bible. First of all, let's argue the Bible with me because I'll give it to them like they've never had it, okay? But... The Bible always talks about the separation of wheat from the chaff, okay? Well, we're living through that right now. Those red hats have identified themselves as the chaff, the crap, okay, that isn't even worth fertilizing. So they are not only identifying themselves, they have now made their soul's decision to completely lose their soul. There will be nothing for them. It will be just a blank space, and that will be that. And I don't feel bad about it because I've seen this since I was a child. I've known what was coming. I've seen what was going to happen. I've always known the majority of people are not going to survive. And I'm just here recording and witnessing it. So I have stories to tell on an intelligent planet. Well, you know, fair enough. And I'm also reminded of the words of, uh, believe it or not, Jim Morrison, you know, uh, one of my favorite songs, Nobody Here Gets Out Alive. Right. Uh, you know, and you got to remember that, that this is this is a temporary circumstance. This is just what it is. And sure, record, experience, learn something. Right. And then get the hell out, never come back, as Michael Rakia stresses on every one of our shows. You know, he talks about, and people may not really understand, that we're here building our next house. Well, a lot of people aren't even building an outhouse. Okay, so they have no idea of the consequences of their either action or inaction. And inaction is also a choice. That is uh, factually true as well. And when you choose inaction, you also choose, uh, you know, the, the emptiness of what is next. So that, that's, that's the bottom line there. And I, I agree with all this. Now, it does seem like we've gotten into a bit of a spiritual direction. Yes, we did. What else is new? <laughs> yes, we did. Actually, at the beginning of the show, it's like so filled with dread. I said, okay, we got Ginsburg to cover. We got Trump saying the 200,000 people that, that died from COVID don't really matter. Uh, his people at his audience, you know, they have good genes, okay? Well, I look at these Trump fans, and I, I wouldn't call that good genes, and especially with pictures of Trump's parents. I, I'm still trying to figure out what alien race they belong to. Uh, so if that's good genes, I'll take bad genes. Uh, so, you know, we've got so much going on, you know, the election right around the corner, the hypocrisy in the GOP. 
people have to get, if you've been living your Bible and you've been praying for God's kingdom to come on earth, God, if the Bible does things in a very violent, vicious way. Right. It's not you know, like, actually, oh, I'm going to unleash. I'm sorry, I, got a, I got a crazy question about something because, you know, I was thinking about the concept of felons who get to vote now in the state of Florida. And, I, you know, I've always wondered about that whole thing where you, you do your time, you, you deal with your crime, right. you, you come out into the world, and believe me, it's difficult to go get a job if you got a record. And all that, you endure that, and they don't even restore their right to vote. Now, I saw some reports uh, past couple of days. Now, we know Mike Bloomberg is spending $100 million in Florida, you know, ad campaigns, whatever. But I saw some reports that he's offering up $16 million now to pay off the fines. Yes, of the he is. Who are being disqualified. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. And I think it's a great idea. But here's the thing. Let's jump back in time, my son, because <laughs> it may okay. be things you don't know. Uh, but back in the 1960s, prisons were actually called rehabilitation centers. And when somebody went to prison, they knew when they came out, all their rights were restored. How do I know this? Because I hung out with a lot of criminals that went to prison. Uh, so in prison, they were, you know, taught uh, whether, you know, and a lot of them didn't even know how to read or write. Reading, writing, the law, whatever, whatever they wanted to. They were taught job skills. When you got out, you know, after a certain amount of time, you know, everything was restored to you. But now we don't have that. We have concentration camps. We have the animalistic uh, solitary confinement. Uh, you know, you can go all the way to, you know, Al Capone and what they did to him at Rikers Island. Uh, and now you have the sterilization of women in ICE uh, concentration camps and in our private prisons, sterilizing women, forced hysterectomies. Uh, so there is no rehabilitation, okay? Uh, putting drug addicts or the mentally ill in prison, it's just a place to store them because they don't really give a shit about them. But the bottom line is, as I have said a gazillion times, the only thing I trust our governments anywhere on earth to do is kill us all because none of us matter to them. No lives matter to them. Well, I got I to gotta throw in a bit of historical uh, reference here from my own personal experience because what you're talking about in the 60s, I don't have to go back to the 60s when I wasn't born yet, by the way. But, <laughs> uh, in the 80s, um, when I was uh, locked in a juvenile facility, I was a criminal as a kid. Um, and, you know, admittedly at this point, <laughs> okay, that's, that's where I was at. And, uh, you know, there, there was still those words of rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. There were still efforts to, you know, reintegrate you into what was your society as a juvenile. Uh, you know, you, you had to go to school in juvenile detention. Um, now, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, once you served your time, once you took care of your afterwards, you had like a little bit of probation, even if there wasn't probation declared, you had to report, show that you were reintegrating yourself uh, back into things. And I'm not saying that I love public schools or anything, but it's a sensible thing to do for a teenager who has now been to prison. And I was in one of the toughest uh, uh, facilities in the country, <laughs> okay? Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Jamesburg, 
but it was a, uh, a facility in New Jersey that housed, you know, uh, teenage criminals as well as uh, young adult criminals. And believe me, it's a, it, it was a hard, I don't know what it looks like today, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was very, uh, let's call it 18th or 19th century looking in its construction. Um, you know, you, you dealt with brick, you dealt with steel. That's what you dealt with, and uh, it, it was it was a hard place. I, I was among kids who had who had definitely committed murders. I was uh, among kids who were who were quite frankly irredeemable sociopaths in some cases. Right. So if you're a half-assed criminal and you go into one of those things, <clears throat> yeah. you come out with top criminal skills. Well, that was the thing is that it did actually uh, educate me as to be how how more how to more be a criminal. Right. Uh, but the system itself had a design that still seemed to want to transition you back into the world. Um, however, the difference between the 60s and the 80s when I was in there is that, you know, adult felons, they did lose everything. You couldn't get licensed for anything. Right. I mean, recent stories we've seen about, you know, California and the governor signing an executive order now allowing former felons, not violent ones, but felons of whatever stripe outside of violent felons to uh, uh, become EMTs because they are literally out there on the front lines fighting the fires right. along with others who are professionals doing it as uh, as part of their uh, trip to repaying society for their debt, okay, there, there's, there seems to be a little bit of a move toward maybe, maybe, sensibly recognizing that even when people do right. uh, things that are against the, quote, laws, end quote, um, that, you know, that there might be a way to not have them just be drifters who can't turn to anything other than crime afterwards. Right, but you so got to remember a, when they start... Time. I do too, but you got to remember when they started with the private prisons, prisons for profit, which I've done so many shows on, they count on recidivism. They need, they demand 90% occupancy from the right. government. So they're not going to do a damn thing to rehabilitate those people. They want them back. It's a revolving door for them. Uh, and as far as that uh, pay your fines in Florida or you can't vote, that's just another poll tax. Right. And another way of suppressing the vote. Well, and there you have it. You know, and, and that's that's an interesting thing. But when I saw that Bloomberg was paying off those fines, I said, that's that's really interesting that there's an attempt. I mean, obviously, it's just strategic because, look, if, if they're looking for mercy from the system, if anybody's looking for mercy from the system, one thing you're definitely not going to be able to look to is the GOP. Right. Okay. That's absolutely not in play. These are the people that are more than happy, like you said, to have these ICE facilities where now, yes, indeed, even in Georgia, right here in Georgia, by the way, the ICE facility is is now uh, being revealed to have done all sorts of gynecological things to women that were incarcerated there. Uh, uh, removing fallopian tubes, complete hysterectomies. By a doctor that's not a certified OBGYN. That's right. That's right. A butcher. So he might as well be Joseph Mengele reincarnated. Well, but here's the thing. There's also a woman here who, again, did a lot of these things, guess what, without the consent of the patient. Right. Okay. See, that's, that's not an American thing, by the way. Internationally. Okay, it was decided, you know, there, there were these Nuremberg uh, uh, protocols that were created 
Guess why? Because of the guy you just mentioned and a lot of the other stuff that was done uh, right. by the Third Reich. There were protocols created where you have to have the consent of an individual to give them medical treatment. Uh, the only time that uh, that's not required is if in life-saving circumstances where it's absolutely necessary, emergent, and consent cannot be attained, there's an exception. But generally speaking, you can't medicate, you can't do surgeries without somebody's consent, all that stuff, you know, anybody who's had a surgery knows you got a lot of forms to sign, there's a reason for this. Right, right. Um, but, you know... Well, but, you know, let's not, let's not just blame Hitler, who happens to be Trump's hero. Let's look at the eugenics program that always existed in the United States, supposedly went away in the 70s, which you and I know is more bullshit. And yep. here we have the exact same thing happening. We have genocide by our president, killing Americans, doesn't care. Whether it's tear gas, bullets, rubber bullets, uh, sound cannons, microwave... Uh, COVID-19 inaction, uh, and then you have sterilizations happening in our prisons as well as in ICE. So we have genocide and eugenics happening at the same time. And I have to say, with this, so let's put a Christian on the Supreme Court, where's the pro-life people on this? Where are the pro-life, what, what, what do you mean exactly? That, that This is part of what the uh, the agenda is. Which, you know, I had to explain to a young man just yesterday, and, and he really didn't have much of a response, but I had to explain it to him just yesterday, that this concept of abortion, and, well, this is pro-abortion, this is anti-abortion, and I said, you know, the reality of this isn't even what you are saying, isn't even what you're thinking of it as. you got to understand that this is a class struggle issue. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean? How can it be a class struggle issue? It's life. It's death. It's no, 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 no. Hear me out. Uh, rich women, women with means, mm -hmm. are not affected by whether abortion is legal or not. Right. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, they could always get, you know, Roe v. Wade didn't automatically create an industry that just popped up out of nowhere. There are procedures that are designed there but are just simply not accessible to poor women. Right. And you got to understand that that's all this effectively does. All these moves where you got, you know, one abortion clinic left in a state and it's, you know, in, a, in an odd rural area and that's it. All of these moves, the attempt to overturn Roe v. Wade, at the end of the day, all it does uh, of significance is cause the majority of women to not have access to something that rich women have access to, that right. women who are, uh, uh, you know, somehow endowed financially or can be endowed financially have access to. Absolutely. That is what the reality of that is. Well, remember, and, another part of it is, again, class warfare, forcing women to have children that they can't afford to keep them poor. And then people complain they're on the dole. Well, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the other end of it. Is, and, you know, and again, I'm going to take you on another little trip back to the 60s, Chuck. Go ahead. It was 1960, the year was 1967. Uh, I was 17. I was working in a, a, a huge clothing, uh, uh, retail clothing store in their offices in Manhattan on 14th Street. Uh, I worked for uh, one of the several vice presidents of the company. They had 600 stores throughout the United States. Uh, so I was aware of all the people above me because I was in there as basically, in those days, they called it an uh, executive secretary. 
Uh, and I watch the women that used to travel around the world, the buyers, they call them buyers, where they go to other countries and pick out styles and fashions and make their orders, etc. So again, 1967, one of the buyers that I was working under, uh, she got pregnant and she went to France on a buying trip. And one of the things she bought in France was the day after abortion pill, which they had in 1967. Another one needed an abortion uh, as she was uh, dating a rich doctor. He got her into one of the most expensive hospitals in Manhattan, and she got her abortion. It was 1967. The reason I stress the year, it was way before Roe versus Wade. So I'm giving you confirmation what you're saying is absolutely correct and has always been. But they don't care if poor women die in back alley abortions. They don't care if poor women have children they can't afford or take care of or the fact that more black women die giving birth. That doesn't matter to them. Uh, So again, we go back to the only thing I trust the government to do is kill us all. Okay, we have to take a break and... Uh, I don't know where the second half of the show is going, but the first half has been quite interesting. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Monica Sepulveda of Wake Up with Maria and Monica. You can hear our show every third Tuesday. And we give you tools, solutions, and the way to change your life forever. Each morning you can either choose fear, worry, hate, anger, or you can just choose love which balances everything and changes the trajectory of your life. Maria's show is so amazing. You need to tell another person for the small amount of money that you pay for a subscription and the value that you receive in return with her guests who are unmatched, with her wisdom, with her reports of what's happening on this planet, how to change it, and with that sense of humor. Oh, my gosh. Her Reiki sessions blow my mind. Every time she has sent me some Reiki, uh, it works. I heal. And I'm just blown away by the this old soul, Maria. I'm glad to call her my friend. I hope that you book a session with her for a Reiki session or for a reading because you will not be disappointed. But most important, tell a friend about her show. Take care and make it a great day. It's a choice, you know. Bye. Okay, welcome back to Hell and High Water. And I guess, whoo, the flames are high today with Chuck and Maria, (laughs) the Chuck and Maria show. (coughs) Um, You know, when I think back at all the things that I have witnessed in my life, you know, even these stories that I throw at you every now and then, uh, it just amazes me that other people don't see that class warfare has been going on forever Another great topic that I used to discuss uh, with Dave McGowan all the time. Uh, And it's all class warfare. You know, people talk about, oh, India, they had a caste system. Well, so do we. (laughs) Okay. You know, you talk about raising taxes on the rich and everybody gets scared because somehow Americans think they're rich. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, we're not. And you got, I forget which jerk it was in the GOP. Oh, maybe it was Kushner himself, uh, Pinocchio boy, who'll never be a real boy, uh, that said, you know, uh, he, he assumed everybody in the United States makes $400,000 a year. <laughs> I couldn't help. I, I couldn't contain that. Sorry. Right. Now in Florida, the average income in Florida is $12,000 a year. 
and right. Florida's governor doesn't want uh, to extend the unemployment, the uh, extra $300. But he does want to pass a law legalizing people driving into what he calls mobs, in other words, protesters. He wants to make that legal. But he really doesn't care. You know, I don't think there's too many people in Florida on $12,000 that are worried about uh, raising the taxes on people making over $400,000 a year. Yeah, well, isn't isn't that interesting, this, this disconnected... And, and I'll tell you something. What, what fascinated me over the past two weeks since we spoke last, okay, is that finally... Somebody has put into Joe Biden's ear the point that I've been trying to make with people, I don't know, for five years with, with Trump, mm-hmm. his ilk, these people. They, you know, the ones that are convinced that he's some kind of savior, hero, the chosen one even, mm-hmm. um, it, it amazes me that they don't recognize that he's got absolutely no clue. You are part of the roaring crowd that reaffirms, you know, his ego at, at a rally. But that's all you are. You're not somebody that these guys relate to. Right. They have no clue. Right. Look, look at his daughter. Hey, look, you know what? You're, you're, you're experiencing financial difficulties and everything. Well, just, just do something else. It'll be okay. All right. That's easy to pull off. Well, it is when, you know, daddy and everybody else is looking to give you loans and, you know, you get privileges so you can get patents in China and everything else. Hey, no problem. You can just decide to do something else. Listen, I wish I, I, I wish I could be a bug in Joe Biden's ear during the debates. Because here you got Trump saying he wants Biden to release his list of picks for the Supreme Court. The, the, my comeback would be, where's your tax returns? No matter what he asked, I would say, where's your tax returns? Yeah, well, and, and oh, oh, well, Trump made many financial disclosures, Maria, don't yeah, you know? Right. Yeah, okay. That's why the state of New York says they've got a strong case against him for tax fraud. Well, and, and you wonder why the DAs keep getting swapped out over there. You know, the last time anybody got a look at some Trump taxes was many years ago, and it was because he was uh, needing to release them to uh, to the public in order to get, you know, uh, approvals for casinos in Atlantic City. All right. Right. And what did that reveal about, you know, Mr. Oh, I paid more taxes than anyone. It, it's always exactly the opposite. See, that's, paid that's zero. the decoder ring. Right. He paid zero. He said that he doesn't pay taxes because he's smart. Right. So, you know, to him, you know, supposedly the president, you know, obviously he's saying that every American that pays taxes is an idiot. Just like he said, you know, COVID was a blessing, so he doesn't have to shake hands with these disgusting people, meaning his own cult. Uh, And uh, listen, to me, you know, there's a lot of people that have been going back to the spiritual side of things, okay? There's a lot of spiritual teachers out there. Uh, who teach, you know, oh, you know, there's humans and then there's the greys. Or they'll say there's humans and then there's the reptilians. Okay. How about there are hundreds of different species from other worlds inhabiting human bodies right now? And all you have to do is look at the GOP, look at the cult fans, look at the demons that live inside of them. I don't understand how people can't see them. Uh, so this isn't just, you know, a fairy, airy fairy tale. There's a lot of people from a lot of different places here who came for battle. 
okay? And they're posers, and they pose as human, uh, but they have no human qualities. There's no empathy. There's no love. No human qualities whatsoever. Their eyes are vacant. Their hugs are empty. There's your big clue. No one can ever accuse you or I of not being compassionate and full of passion. Uh, And that's part of the joy of being a human, is to feel all those human uh, feelings and experiences. These people have none. And I guarantee you that the entire GOP is, is guilty of that. But it's still one of those things that I fail to comprehend, quite honestly, is that a, a bunch of people that, frankly, would have had an appreciation for... Now, this is going to sound a little sexist, so pardon me a moment. Uh, would have had an appreciation for somebody who's a man, who is a, a man's man, who actually stands up, who's willing to get his hands dirty, who might actually throw a punch when necessary. Okay, who might actually be a tough guy. This used to be an honorable thing, even if it was, you know, rather warped and stupid. In American culture, this was a thing. Okay, really was. I I don't find anything wrong with masculinity or femininity. I I like a masculine man, but you know, I I don't see much. There are no masculine men in the in the entire GOP. Trump is the least of it. But that's my point, is that look at these people. Is this the man's man? Is this the guy you have respect for? Because remember there used to be a time when people had respect for hard work. They got their hands dirty. They would get, they would roll up their sleeves. They were one of you, right? And therefore, they were a tough guy, you know. They, you know. But I listened to his supporters. He's a tough guy. Yeah. He's strong. He's the biggest pussy Where is on the strength? Earth. He has none. He's been a coward and a bully his whole life. Because he was rich, he didn't end up in a juvenile detention center like you. Because he was rich and a bully and out of control, and his parents hated his guts, especially his mother, that's why they put him in the rich man's prison. They put him in a military academy uh, just to get rid of him. Uh, But he's been a coward his entire life, a man that curses the dead, that demonizes women, that's only tough to incite other people to fight his battles. He is the biggest coward I have ever seen in my life. See, that's the thing. How is it that these people, and and some of them, quite honestly, the people that go to the Trump rallies, you know, these are not the rich people that are benefiting from his tax breaks. Uh, I know Herman Cain went, he had some money, and well, that didn't work out too well for him, but anyway, shucky-ducky, moving on... Um, you have you to know, get, my mother always said this, and it's still true. Show me your friends, and I'll show you what you are. And that's the no, explanation for Trump's fans. They, no, in, no, they yeah. see themselves in him, and they think, like all the idiots that all my life think, anyone in America can become a millionaire. And they still hold on to that fallacy. No, look, fair enough, but what amazes me is that they look at this man and some of those people that fill up those halls that are screaming, you know, no, this is a hoax, that's a hoax, uh, I don't believe you, fake news, QAnon, all that, the people that are really his baseline, rock bed, you know, uh, bedrock supporters, excuse me, rock bed, bedrock, whatever, bedrock supporters are people that have had to struggle. How is it that they look at this man and do not see a coward? 
Okay, do not see somebody who is not intelligent enough to lead. Do not see somebody who is weak, who is clearly only tied to his own ego. How did that become admirable among people that really have had to struggle, that have felt marginalized, that have felt left out by, guess who, people just like the orange jackass? Well, How is this possible? <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around Maria. I'm sorry. I need you to help me here. They need... I, listen. I've not been able to wrap my mind around how it is you can attach... I mean, I understand the false tribalism and the pumped-up, you know, pseudo-masculinism of being a sportsman and I'm a tough guy because I'm a whatever, name your football team, and all that stupid I can wrap my mind around. I cannot wrap my mind around the hypocrisy of looking at this... Punk ass nothing who would who would shrink into a ball if he was in a room with a real man and had to deal with an actual confrontation. Okay, who you know real man classic uh, understanding of it. Put him in a room well, with somebody like that where he's got to actually deal with it. Yes. This guy has nothing. He douses drawers at best. And he would never be able to handle it. Well, you saw him. You saw him the whole time. And I don't understand how it is that a whole bunch of people who have literally, as ignorant as they are and all that, and people want to say, oh, they're stupid and everything else, there is such a weird disconnect. Can you help me understand that? Well, there's a couple of levels to answer that question. Number one, sheep always look for a shepherd. Number two, you have, uh, even in their holy book, there's a very strong description that Satan and all his minions, okay, even though, you know, the cartoon Minions has made Minions look really cute, and I like those movies. Uh, these are his minions. These are his fighting squad, the people he puts out on the streets, the people starting fires, the people uh, blocking people in Virginia from voting, harassing voters, uh, the people who was 17 strap on a long gun and go shooting into a crowd. This is, if you look at it on a spiritual level, you could say, hmm, looks like Satan and his minions. Uh, I have been saying for years and years, here we go again, in the 60s, we had a lot of heroes. We had a lot of people we could look up to. Okay, uh, JFK, RFK, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, even heroes, John Lennon. I mean, the list goes on and on. They were all murdered. Uh, there is no hero today. And so for those people who are totally balls to the walls, they needed a hero, and they believed the king of lies. I mean, you know, as Satan is described as the king of lies. Uh, they believe every lie he says, and if he says, well, you're going to have to wait another four years, but I'm going to make things better, uh, they need something to cling to. They need that charismatic Jim Jones uh, to convince them that everything's going to be okay while he's robbing them blind and skeeves them. Obviously, he skeeves his own supporters by saying they're disgusting. Uh, and you're not going to change that. You're not going to be able to understand it. You know, people that are, that are the, the mentality to get into a cult or a religion, they have a, a brain difference than people who reject it. So you've got, you know, to me, I can call, I call them jackals. Uh, jackals, the brain dead, the living dead. Uh, the people looking for a savior, there are no saviors, but it's easier to put that off on him and buy his lies every single day and hope one day to grow up and be like him. Uh, so 
you, you, you're never going to figure it out, Chuck. You just got to look at them. And, and to me, I'm glad they identify themselves. I see somebody in a red hat, I walk away. Okay, I see somebody's got a Trump pen sign in their front yard. They don't exist in my reality anymore. Uh, so you've got to make that choice. We are helping to do that separation. And these people are self-identifying. So they do us a favor. Right. And you got to just look at it as, you know, in a way I feel sorry for them. In a way I don't. Okay. It's like next, you know, I got my work to do, I got my life to live, and then I get the hell out of here. And that's the way I look at my life every day. Well, I guess that's uh, that's the piece I got to make with it. But I, I, I still, I, I always strive to understand things that are outside of my my usual thought process you know that's one of the things i always enjoy doing is learning and while i'm learning i try to take some of what i learn and educate others with it and and that's that's one of the joys in my life right is to be able to do that especially with rarefied information but it it is so hard i can empathize with almost anyone Mm -hmm. I, i really feel like that or at least i used to uh and now i i recognize that Sadly, you know, there, there's a good portion of the world that I cannot empathize with to this degree. It's I, choice. I don't it's, know. it's their choice. You know, you can honor their choice. You don't have to be part of it. But I also see it, you know, I see everything from a spiritual perspective. I was once told by a, a guy putting together a radio, uh, a radio station that he couldn't handle my show on his radio station, but he said, you have a very unique niche, Maria. And I said, what's that? He says, you give the news with spiritual views. So everything I see, everything I do, takes me back to all my spiritual knowledge since I was a kid, all the way through the medicine wheel, all the way through everything else. Uh, So it's easy for me to see that there truly are a lot of people walking around without any soul attached to their bodies. Uh, So you can't change them. You can't convince them of anything. Uh, And you have to be okay with that. You're not responsible for that. You're only responsible for yourself and what you do. Yeah, well, don't misunderstand me. I don't even seek to uh, to to change them at this point. I I, I surrendered that. No. But trying to I'd understand like to... is like trying to a normal person trying to understand the mind of a sociopath. You can't because you're not a sociopath. Well, right. You you, you can you know uh, academically kind of break it down and say this is what's happening. But the truth is, the actual thought process without being inside of it, without actually experiencing it. I think is uh, exactly as you said, alien. It, it it goes back perfectly to that explanation where we're seeing, yes, indeed, uh, it seems like various subdivisions of species, right. not by race or any of this other crazy theory, but literally by the the construct of their their, uh, for lack of a better word, their souls, the way their souls are constructed. You know. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I love snakes. They are fascinating. But they are not empathetic creatures. They are true reptiles, mm-hmm. you know. They they have very specific, you can't domesticate them. You can't really form a great bond with them, you know. They, they are fascinating, beautiful, <laughs> wonderful animals. But they are not of the same exact ilk that an empathetic animal is. It's different. 
And the funny thing is, uh, you know, people describe part of the human brain as reptilian. Uh, and that may indeed be true. It may be partially in play, but it doesn't run the whole show for most of us. Right. Well, you know, back in the day, we used to kid around and tell people, what planet are you from? Yeah. Well, it might be a good time to start asking that question again. You know, I, I think you're right. And, it's, well, sadly, I don't think anybody's going to know the answer. Uh, if somebody does, though, I would get very nervous. If somebody's got a quick answer to that, I would start to get very nervous because that means that they're aware of what it is they're doing. I mean, that's the only explanation I can come up with for a lot of it is that there is a lack of awareness. There is a disconnect right. in their minds, in their consciousness at this time. Well, you what know, it we, is they're doing. That's the only other way I can reconcile with this. Well, the only you've uh, got to be unconscious to, to, to behave unconscionably. You know, it's, you know? A, it's a topic you and I have never discussed on the show, and we don't have enough time to discuss it now, but I'm going to roll it out anyway. Maybe we'll get to it next week. Uh, okay. I, I, I forget his name. He was a member of uh, Parliament in Canada, I believe for, I don't know, a dozen years. It was an old guy. His name was Paul something or other. And he wrote a book uh, about the underground bases uh, since Roswell and what he had seen in there, the different aliens, the alien uh, manipulations, the mutants, the way we were uh, operating on them. The guy had credentials up the Wahoo. Uh, and, you know, this is not a subject that, that we've talked about on the show. Uh, but don't think for one minute that there isn't truth to that. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, you know, what kind of deals with the devils did our former governments uh, make back in the 50s? Uh, you know, what kind of weird, you know, Dr. Mengele crap is going on? Uh, and even if you don't want to believe that, you know, you, you could think about the Phoenix Lights. You think about some of the legitimate sightings. Uh, so for people to discount that these beings have the power to do an invasion of the body snatchers is ignorance, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, and I've met some, some soul snatchers that have come through uh, Arizona. Uh, and, and I warned people that their teachings would knock them right out of their bodies. And I watched it happen. Uh, so we live in interesting times, and how's that for a segue for maybe another show for another day? Sounds like something that we should focus on. I, I would uh, probably not have a ton to offer for it, but I'd love to hear what you have to say and comment about it. So, yeah, we, we, we can do that. Matter of fact, I think listeners, if that's what you want to hear, you should let us both know, because uh, I'd be more than willing to examine that. We got plenty of time before the disaster in November to cover that some more. Oh, you think um, the disaster is an gonna, impending doom? Do you, do you think the disaster is going to end in November? <laughs> oh no, that's where it begins, Maria. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> not the end, the beginning. The beginning of the end. Yeah. Anyway, Chuck, this has been a very interesting show, totally unplanned, but I guess it's what we needed to talk about today. Well, the Spirit guides us every time, and I'm grateful to do this with you, Mom. I, I, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, I, I hope that you appreciate what I do end up finally writing in the book about you. Well, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, if you want uh, any information, any, any fill-in information, you can always call me. I, I just might do that. All right. You take good care, Chuck. We'll talk soon.
Absolutely. You and the listeners as well. Everybody, be as well as you can be. Take care. Check Ocelli. Check his work out at ocelli.com. I'd like to hear your opinions on today's show because, hey, it just went where it had to go, I suppose. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Never get into fear. Okay, you didn't come here to lose. Okay, remember, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And like I always add to that, I didn't come here to lose. So I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening and supporting The Maria Show. Tell others what you learned today. Knowledge becomes wisdom, only when it's shared. Encourage others to subscribe today. www.maria.net Often imitated, never duplicated. A world of information, all in one place. www.maria.net Always ahead of the curve. Always on your side. Get active or get radioactive. Subscribe today.